Welcome to the Living Parables Podcast, where we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through the sanctifying work of God's Holy Word. I am Nate, your host. To all listeners tuning in the show, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate each and every single one of you. And now let us begin. I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new week, a brand new episode. I hope that it's treating you well so far. And I am very grateful that you have joined me once again for this Standing Firm series. We are standing firm in a wicked, evil age. And so with that, there is much to discuss. Today, we're going to be looking at three aspects that we need to stand firm in. Three key and vital things and those are standing firm in the faith standing firm in the gospel and standing firm in the grace of god now last week we talked about contending for the faith and in all actuality that was a bonus episode because it was something that i felt god was putting on my heart to to study out and we talked about about fighting the good fight of the faith and we talked about contending earnestly for the faith and so all those things encompass what it means and the fight that we're in is not a fight that we can just constantly pull ourselves out of It's not something that we can just cherry pick and choose when we want to engage in spiritual warfare or not. The dark forces of this world and the world in which we cannot see has no nap time, no breaks. It is constantly at work against us And as we know, our enemy, the devil, prowls around about like a roaring lion, waiting and looking to seek those who he can devour. Which leads us to our first scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, which says, Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, Act like men. Be strong. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, and brothers, I'm talking to you right now. At this hour, this moment, this moment in history, you need to be on the alert. You need to stand firm in the faith. And you have to act like men. How do you act like a man? You be strong in the Lord. As we are going to get to at some point here soon, God willing, Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of God's might. That's how you be a man. 
We have to be on the alert. We have to stand firm at our post. A lot of military men and women would know what that means. If you are given a post and if you are of lesser rank, just some of the information I've gathered from some of my family members who are in the military, you work the graveyard shift. And, you know, you're talking about three to, I don't know, it's like six in the morning. Uh, it's easy to want to fall asleep. And everything's going great. There's been peace. No conflict. And the minute you drop your guard, all chaos breaks loose. Because you fell asleep at your post. You dropped your guard. In boxing, MMA, any type of combat sport. Start getting a little bit weary. Breathing becomes labored. The fight becomes a lot more difficult to bear. Your arms feel like 100-pound weights. It's just easy to slip down. But you know you're training. You're supposed to keep your hands up by your chin. Beyond, beyond the tips of your feet. Make sure head movement's going. Drop your hands. Get caught with a right. And you're out for the count. So. Where are you at. Right now. Where are you at right now. Are you on the alert. And where all this stuff started from. It started in the garden. It started in the garden. And in, in all seriousness though. If we want to get really technical, it happened before the garden when Satan fell. When he wanted to be God, he thought he could do a better job. And obviously he found out quick that the created can't even touch the creator. And so now he's like, oh, man is God's pinnacle of creation. Well, we'll put that to the test, won't we? It didn't take long for us to fall. And what started it all? When Satan told Eve, did God really say? And that created doubt. But what does standing firm in the faith mean? Well, in faith, you have to know what the actual definition of faith is. And it's found in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Now, the word assurance here means the substance of things hoped for. And the word conviction means evidence. Adam and Eve 
looking at a tree, there is no evidence that that tree was going to harm them. It wasn't going to, I mean, you look at a tree, and it's like, well, unless this thing falls on me, I mean, I should be good. And we, and, and what do we do with trees? You know, that if they have fruit, we pick it and it nourishes us and gives us food, gives us shade, you know, in the noonday when it's actually hot. Provides air for us to breathe. I mean, there's nothing really intimidating about a tree. But what Satan did that day in the garden is he subtly called God a liar and gave insignificant evidence, insufficient evidence to Eve that God cannot be trusted. God's word is stifling. God's word is a killjoy. God and who he is doesn't want you to be like him because he doesn't like rivals. And I would even venture to guess to say, look what he did to me. I'm oppressed. He took me down because he didn't want someone like him. Well, the truth is, is there's no one like our God. There's no one as wise. No one is more powerful. No one more loving. No one more gracious. No one more forgiving. But Satan that day made him out to be a liar, and we took the bait. Hook, line, and sinker. And now, however many thousand years later, here we are, present day, and nothing has changed. You have to be on alert. And you cannot be on the alert if you are not standing firm in the faith. And how do you increase your faith? Romans 10, 17 tells us very, very clearly. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. You can't be aware of something if you don't, if you don't know. How many times have we said in our lives, I didn't know I couldn't do that. And here's the problem. When you hear messages like the one you're hearing today, when you're hearing any type of preaching, teaching of the Word of God, reading it for yourself, there's no excuses anymore. Because here's the reality. If I'm driving on a highway and there are no road signs that say speed limit, 75. If there's nothing there and I'm going 80 and a police officer pulls me over and says, hey, friend, you know how fast you're going? Yeah, I was going about 80. Well, did you know the speed limit 75 here? Oh, well, I didn't know that. I didn't see any signs posted. And the police officer may say, yeah, you know what? It, it is kind of 
rare that you see a sign here. So I'm going to let you off with a warning. Just be careful, okay? Now, same scenario, but every other mile, there's a speed limit sign that says 75, 75, 75, 75. And you know the police, they, they know where everything's at on those roads. And use that same excuse. I didn't know I, I couldn't go that fast. He said, there are all these road signs. And they kept saying 75, 75, 75. So you ignored them, didn't you? Now, of course, you can lie, but you're just making it worse for yourself. Are, are you seeing what I'm saying here? The more you're in the Word of God, the more you become alert and aware of things. So you're not in the middle of being devoured by sin. You're like, oh, I should have been looking out for that. This is, this is what happens when I'm in sin. And here's what I'm going to say, too. If you have godly people in your life, you have godly men or godly women giving you biblical counsel, and I'm sorry to say this, but there are people that are engaging in sin because they're following their emotions, they're following their quote-unquote heart, and we all know what happens when you follow your heart. God says you're a fool. But, oh, I'm so in love with this person. And, oh, this is what my heart's telling me to do. And the godly person says, here's what the Bible says, though. Well, you have two choices. You either repent and turn away from that, or you harden your heart, get angry at that person saying, stop oppressing me. This is what God's telling me to do. No, he's not. God's not going to tell you to do something against his will. So then you, you're you engaged in your sin, and turns out Mr. or Mrs. Wright, because you sinned, they're not who they claim to be. And guess what? You're in the middle of a nasty divorce. He or she wants the kids, and your whole life is coming apart. So you're in the middle of being devoured by the sin that you willingly jumped into when you ignored biblical advice. It could be even a job. I prayed on it, and this is what God told me to do. He told me to jump in this job. Really? Really? Six months later, you hate this job more than anything else in your life, and... You go to work bitter every single day, and then you have the nerve to say to God, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what you promised. What gives? It's that, That's a lot of nerve. So we put ourselves in these situations, and then when it doesn't go the way we want or the way we planned, because we didn't trust God, we didn't seek the counsel of other believers, we just did it on a whim because this is what we felt, quote-unquote, God was telling us to do. And we have the nerve to get mad at God for it. I'm sorry, that's not how it works. You put yourself there. Now, God is gracious and patient with us. It's just like a lost sheep or a sheep that just went off the path and they get stuck in a fence. And you pull them right out. And they literally jump right back in. There was a, a really funny video of a shepherd getting this 
sheep out of this. I mean, he was stuck in this fence pretty hard. I mean, it was it was pretty impressive how he got stuck that tight. The minute that sheep got loose, it was bouncing around, running all the place, all freaked out, and literally jumped inside of like it, it wasn't like it was like a pit of kind of like the mire, you know, like the muck. It's like it's not quicksand, but it's like quicksand but with mud. And literally the shepherd just put his hands on his head and he goes, wow. I mean, really? So, but that's what we do. You have to know what the word of God says to open your eyes and to be on the alert. You have to, you have to understand the dangers ahead. You have to see it coming. Let's go to 2 Corinthians one twenty four. It says, not that we lord it over your faith, but are workers with you for our joy, for in your faith you are standing firm. We must stand firm in our faith. Faith that God is God and we are not. Faith that God is who he says he is. Faith that Jesus Christ came to this earth, born of a virgin, as God, lived a perfect sinless life, was crucified on Mount Calvary for our sins, was buried in a tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, and three days later he rose again. And now, after being on the earth for 40 more days, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and now is waiting to return. We need to stand firm in those things, but it's, but it's not just that. There's other things that we stand firm in. And let's, let's look at those things. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, which says, It was for this he called you through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace. We need to stand firm in our faith by holding to the traditions that we are taught. What does that mean? By the things taught to us by the Holy Spirit through the apostles' teaching. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. You cannot increase in your faith and be stronger in it if you don't read your Bible. That is absolutely critical. The Bible is, is our bread. What did Jesus say? Man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. All Scripture is God-breathed. That is our source for our spiritual food. But how many of us are spiritually anorexic? We starve ourselves 
by letting it collect dust on a shelf. Two feet from us. And don't get me wrong, people. That was me two, a couple years ago. Before I started this podcast. That was me. And I was not on the alert. I wasn't standing firm in the faith. I wasn't acting like a man. I wasn't strong. But now, through the daily reading and applying of Scripture, it has strengthened me in ways that I could never have imagined. I'm on the alert. I see danger before it comes. And I ask Jesus to keep me away from it. But, you know, you can't just be in the Word of God alone. You got to be in prayer. And remember, we're not praying that we just get health and wealth and prosperity. But what we're doing is we're praying the scriptures. So, like today, right now, you can even pause the episode right now and pray God, help me to be on the alert. Help me to stand firm in the faith. Help me to be strong in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, you could do that, and I would encourage you to do that. But if you don't read the Word of God, you don't know what to pray. So I want us to take us to this last piece of standing firm in the faith, and that's 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9 through 11, which says, But resist him. Who? Satan. Firm in your faith. That's how you resist him. You stand firm in your faith knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Do you want to stand firm? you want to resist the devil? by being in the faith being in Christ because in Jesus he's going to perfect you he's going to confirm you he's going to strengthen you he's going to establish you that's how it works so if you're not in Christ and being conformed to his image you're not going to be able to stand firm you're definitely not going to be able to stand firm in the faith and part number two is coming up right now stand firm in the gospel so we just looked at four scriptures talking about standing firm in the faith. Now we're going to talk about standing firm in the gospel. Now this has a little more verses than standing firm in the faith, but they're all interconnected. Now I'm going to read to you from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, about what the Bible says about standing firm in the gospel is, but more importantly... 1 Corinthians 15, and you, if you've been with us for any length of time, you know that this chapter right here is the first part of 1 Corinthians 15 is about the gospel, but then the last part of it is about the resurrection. Powerful stuff. I would encourage you to read that, especially with Easter coming up. So, 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, here it is, in which also you stand. 
Now, verse 2, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance, first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Okay, powerful stuff here, a lot to unpack. And we're going to do this fairly quickly. We stand firm in our faith. We stand firm in the gospel. We stand firm in the gospel. And what's the gospel? Well, first off, Paul is telling us, again, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that it's of first importance. And you can find that in verses 3 and 4, that he died for our sins according to the Scriptures, he was buried, and he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. Again, another big key here, according to the Scriptures. you got to be in God's Word. We need, to be, we need to be men of action, men of conviction. Romans 1.16, here it is. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. There it is. And many of us, many of us are ashamed of the gospel. And that cannot be. I want to take you now to 1 Corinthians 9, 12. And then we're also going to look at verse 23 as well. But listen to 1 Corinthians 9, 12. If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right but we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. And 11 verses down in verse 23, it says, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. That's what it's all about. And we know the gospel means good news. The good news that Jesus Christ, again, was he came to this earth lived a perfect, sinless life, died on a cross, was buried, and raised three days later. I mean, that is that essentially is the quick, quick version of the gospel. But we're not to be ashamed of it. And everything that we do is for the sake of the gospel. That needs to be us. Listen to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5-8. through 8. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. I mean, the Thessalonians got a thumbs up from Paul because they were doing it. But I'll tell you what, the gospel doesn't just come with words, people. It comes with power in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. And those people, when they receive the word of God, it, it didn't come with 
<laughs> roses and lilies, people. It came with tribulation. But in that tribulation, in those times of peril and persecution, guess what? They have joy in the Holy Spirit. So that needs to be us. If the word of the Lord is sounding forth from us to our inner circles, the people that we have around us, our family members, co-workers, our friends, whoever, that if the word of God is sounding forth from us to those people, God's going to take care of you. He's going to take good care of you. Now let's look at the next cha- uh, next chapter here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Listen to this. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amidst much opposition. See, that's what being strong means in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Be on the alert. Knowing that full well that there is danger ahead in preaching the name of Christ, preaching his gospel, and going in any way. That's like a firefighter looking at a building that's completely on fire. No hesitation, I'm going in. That's what we do every day. But see, we don't we don't take up the full armor of God. Uh we we don't we don't get ready. We don't prepare ourselves and our minds for action. Sometimes we get caught up in the the routines of life, and so we don't prepare ourselves. We don't pray. We don't read the scriptures. We don't again put on the form of God. We don't we don't stand firm in our faith. We don't stand firm in the gospel. And we're going to about ready to get to the grace here in just a minute. But we don't do those things. We don't do those things. We have to be careful. So now that we've looked at two critical pieces of standing firm in a wicked age, we talked about standing firm in the faith, and then we just talked about standing firm in the gospel. Now let's look at the last one, standing firm in grace. And I do have much to say on this, and I'm going to keep this as succinct as possible. But I want you to listen to a very, very powerful verse and chapter. We're going to read Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Listen to this. It's so powerful. Therefore, having been justified by faith, not by works, people, by faith, listen, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in the hope of the glory of God. Did you hear that last part? I mean, the, the chapter 5 in Romans is powerful enough. But we're justified by faith in Christ. And now, at one point, we had such bitter anger and hostility with God. We were enemies with God at one point. But through faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. 
And that, again, only comes through Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's right there. We have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And through Christ, we have our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand firm in the grace of God. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And why do we say all this? I'm going to jump ahead of my notes because it's so important. It's so important. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says this, And he said to me, this is Jesus, talking to Paul here, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And then so Paul goes on to say, Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. That's what we're talking about. We are powerless to live the life that God has called us to live. We are powerless to please God. But through Christ, through the Holy Spirit, he gives us the grace sufficient enough for us by his power, by his grace, by his mercy, by the Holy Spirit, through the working of the word and the heart. He gives us that grace to live the life that we cannot live on our own. When we are going through this the seas and turmoils of life, storms of life, which a lot of people say, he gets us through it. He doesn't deliver you from it. He doesn't just snatch you out of it and, and place you into happiness. He gets you through it. What did Jesus say on the boat? We're going to go to the other side. Was that boat ride easy? No, sir, it wasn't. Remember the winds were, it was like a gale that was coming up, a squall. It was just the, the fishermen, the disciples were freaking out. What was Jesus doing? What was Jesus doing? He was sleeping. They didn't have any faith. Well, their faith was very, very small. you got to place it into Christ and fully in Christ. That's why, again, 1 Peter 1.13 says, fix your hope completely on the grace. That's what you must do. 2 Timothy 2.1 says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's what we got to be strong in. Not ourselves. Not ourselves but in the grace of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace in of... Man, this is so powerful. And may find grace to help in time of need. What do we do when we get in trouble? When there's temptation, trials, you name it, what do we do? We start 
we we run around with, our, with like chickens with their head cuts off. You know, the, we 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 run around, we freak out, we call everybody. Oh, please give me the insurance. Tell me everything's gonna be okay. We call doctors and we call family members. Do we stop? Do we stop and pray? Do we go to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ saying, Lord, I'm coming as humbly as I can to your throne of grace because I need mercy and I am in desperate need of help right now. Because if we draw near, and how do we draw near? Through prayer and also the reading and applying and obedience to the word of God. That's how you draw near. You don't, you don't rely on yourself anymore. You don't rely on your own strength. You go directly to the only source of strength, grace, mercy, and peace, and that is Jesus Christ himself. He is on the throne. We go to him. But when we go through these trials, he is our last resort. Why? That's, a, that's what Satan wants. The power is in Christ. The peace is in Christ. The answer is in Christ. And what do we do? We go to him last. So the challenge this week and moving forward is when you're going through these troubled times, difficult times, stop before you start to panic, before you start doing what happened in the garden, before you start doubting, before you start fearing, pray. Makes a world of difference. Give it over to God completely. Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't see in the future. I know that the future is held in your hands. I know that you are sovereign, that you are in control. I give it all to you. I give it all to you, Lord. And you see what kind of power comes from that. Because I went the other way, people. I literally was calling my dad in a panic over something silly, health issue. And I've mentioned this before on previous episodes, but literally his words have echoed in my head. And that's what a foundational father does. But he said, you got to put your faith where your mouth is. Have you went to... I went to the Lord in prayer. Have you been in his word? Very, very convicting stuff. But what happens? We go through these trials and tribulations. We stop reading his word. <laughs> that's, that's, that's counterproductive. When we go through all these things, what do we do? And let's just get off the health stuff here for a minute. Let's talk about the world. This world is in chaos. This world is dark. Satan's name is being flaunted all over the place now. People are dressing up as the devil. Uh, his name is being posted. And I even told you about, what, a few weeks ago in Colorado, the after-school Satan club. I mean, people, this is not the time to bury your head in the sand. This is time to rise up. 
to dig your feet in and be immovable in what? In faith, the gospel, and the grace. Listen to Hebrews 13.9. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings. Boy, hello, this is it. This is where we're at. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by what? Grace, not by foods. Through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. Food is not going to get you through the trials and strange teachings that combat against us. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle with that stuff. We fight against spiritual dark forces. And you cannot do that outside of faith, outside of prayer, outside of the gospel, outside of the grace. It says, it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. And you cannot understand that. And you can't be strengthened by grace outside of his word. And the only thing you're going to get in this show, this podcast, is the Word of God, 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 the Word of God. That's our problem. Men are not men because you're not in the Word of God. Women are not women because they're not in the Word of God. Our nation is not an, our nation, a true nation of God, because it's, it's deviated from it. We are not standing firm in the faith. We're not standing firm in the gospel. We're not standing firm in the grace because we're outside the word of God. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. We've read this. We know this. God, by his divine power, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Do you believe that? Do you put your trust and faith in that? Or are you like Eve that's doubting in the garden? Did God really say that he's going to give you everything that pertains to life and godliness? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that God's word's enough to help you pay your bills, help you with your relationship, to strengthen you? Do you really think God's word's enough for that? Come on. Come on. Listen to this exhortation in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12. Through Silvanus, our faithful brother, I have written you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Here it is. Now this is with an exclamation point. Stand firm in it. It doesn't say stand firm in your own strength. It doesn't say stand firm in your own understanding. It doesn't say stand firm in your own wisdom. Stand firm in the true grace of God. And who is the grace of God, really? I mean, we could talk about the what, what's of the grace. We could talk about that. But who's the grace of God? The grace of God came down from heaven. That's Jesus Christ. We stand firm in him. And we already talked about this, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. God's grace is sufficient for you. Power is perfected in weakness. When you understand that you are weak and you cannot do this alone, that's where the power comes in. 
because you you <laughs> truly unplug your power source from yourself because your power source isn't going to go that long. Okay? It's it's like a battery. It's like a AA battery. Okay? Plug it into what uh, whatever it is you want to use. Okay? Plug it in. And that battery lasts a while, doesn't it? It lasts a while, but eventually it starts wearing out. Right? But if you have a power cord that taps into the power source, let's just say the wall here, to an outlet. Now, for the sake of the illustration, yes, that, that power will eventually run out. But if you plug in the wall, that's never going to go out unless the power goes out. You see what I'm saying? Unplug your power source from yourself because you're going to wear out. You're going to fail. But faith in Christ, the gospel, his grace, you plug into that, you will be, and I love this so much, Psalm chapter 1. Remember the episode we did on where you planted? Listen, listen to this. Psalm 1. We're going to go verses 2 and 3. But his delight, this is talking about the believer. His delight is in the law of the Lord. His word. His word, God's word, is your delight, believer, in the word of God. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Do you meditate on God's word? Are you constantly dwelling on that? Are you constantly thinking about that? God's word, oh, I need to apply this in my life. I got to work on this. I got to, God's word says this. I got to, how do I do this? How do, I'm looking for opportunities to practice that. Maybe you're, maybe you're practicing on being bold. Okay, the first opportunity I get today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, when someone has, hey, Nate, how are you doing today? I'm just going to say, God is so good. I'm good. God is so good. Do you meditate on God's word and how you can apply it in your life? Wrestle with it in your mind. That's what it's talking about. It's not talking about mindlessness. It doesn't talk about emptying your mind. It's talking about focusing on scripture, how to apply it, wrestling with it, how to do it in your own life. That's what it's talking about. But listen to verse 3. This is what we're really talking about. The grace is sufficient for you. Your power made perfect and weak. Listen to this. When you plug in to the, the true power source that will never run dry, Here's what we're talking about. The believer, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. And its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. We're not talking about worldly prosperity, health, wealth, and prosperity. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about the spiritual things. If you are planted near streams of living water, if you're planted in Jesus Christ, you unplug your power source from this world slash yourself, which will run dry, it will run out, and you you plug into Jesus Christ, what does it say? Your leaf will not wither, and whatever you do will prosper spiritually. 
because your delight is in God's word. And more importantly than anything else, your delight is in God himself, Christ himself, the Holy Spirit himself. Once you plug into that, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way. The truth and the life. There it is. So once you plug into him, you will never run dry. Your leaf will never wither. Because what, what's the promise in the book of John? You have streams of living water flowing within you. That's Christ in you. That's the miracle. That's the, that was the mystery, but it's there now. What are you going to do with it? So my last thing as we, as we close today, are you standing firm in the faith? Are you standing firm in the gospel? And are you standing firm in the grace of our God? My dear friends, my dear brothers, my dear sisters, I go back to the very beginning, the very, very beginning, which is a beautiful way to end. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And remember, everything is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. Until next time, God bless you all.